Welcome back to another episode of the Multitasker Podcast, the podcast for people trying to excel in their career, maintain a social life, eat right, exercise, text everyone back, stay sane, and be happy. We are super excited today. We got two co-hosts in the building. First, Rashanti Lee. What's up? Hey, in the building. <laughs> and, we have, and we have our other resident co-host, Christina Danielle. Hi, Christina. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Every time and, you say um, text everyone back, I look to see how many unread text messages I have. Today's number is 423. I really thought it was going to be lower. Sorry. I opened the text message and it was for Chanti's face. <laughs> because that sounds like my emails. I cannot be at peace with life yeah. if I see that many unread text messages. Christina, give me your phone so we can work through this. How dare I will reply? It will be like three months later. Like, oh my bad. <laughs> like, what are you doing? If you can't reply back, bro. <laughs> My unread messages are at 12, and that's just because they're group messages, and I got them while I was sleeping. Mm. Mm -mm. Well, I have none. I can't. 400 and what? 23. And you know what? And I know, and the and the sad part about it is, I know it's not 400 different people. So, I mean, someone's been yeah. texting you back to back, <laughs> and you're just not answering them. Mm. You know what I mean? And the fact that you're cracking up... <laughs> Because she's telling the truth. The cold, cold world. It's cold out here. <laughs> Sometimes so, I like watch my phone ring. Like, nope. So, do you? Um, because now I just need to. Know. I know we've we've asked you about your text before, so we're just. I gotta ask again. A different question this time. So, when you see the text messages pop up, you know how you get the preview. Do you ever mm. read the preview and then like call somebody, or do you just say, "Oh, that was cute," and then not respond at all? Now, Brie, you know I'm not calling anybody. Well, my like when people call me, I'm like, what do they want? Like, why are you calling me? Hmm. I just okay. I don't know. And I don't even think I have the preview on. You know, I have trust issues. So <clears throat> maybe you should have like a Nokia. <laughs> I should have a flip phone. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if you. What you got? Reserve an iPhone right now. So we're gonna pray on that. I also want to welcome to the podcast for today. We have Ebony in the building. Ebony hey. is known as a professional homegirl. She's an entrepreneur with a passion for storytelling that has inspired her to create a platform where women of color don't have to look far to see themselves. Ebony met so many people who shared their stories with her on how they overcame some of the hardest challenges on their journey, which fueled a fire and ignited Ebony to provide a space where passion, knowledge, and experiences can exist all in one. The PHG podcast interviews women anonymously who have survived addictions, overcame generational curses, and a multitude of life lessons. Ebene has been told that the PHG podcast has encouraged many to empathize with those who look who took paths less traveled and that the gems that her guests dropped are beyond inspirational. Evanae's hope that listening to these stories will remind the listeners that tough times don't last, but professional homegirls do. Welcome, Evanae, mm. to the Multitasker Podcast. Welcome, Evanae! Thank you so much, ladies, for having me. Hello. Thank you for joining us. It's going to be great. Excited. Yes. yes. I'm excited about this conversation. It's one of my favorite topics. I actually... Um, several years ago, I don't know how many at this at this moment, launched a challenge dedicated to it called Scared 
365, where I challenged mm. a group of people to um, do something that scared them every single day. And so today we're talking about just that, like doing it afraid. I, I think a lot of times we come up to these mountains or sometimes they're not even mountains. Sometimes they're molehills. But we just, because we're afraid of them, we're like, we're not going to do it or we're going to find a way to avoid it. And I think just facing these things head on is important and it stretches us outside of our comfort zone and allows us to continue to grow. So I'm very, very, very excited about this conversation so much so that I have volunteered to kick us off for the 10 years ago today. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not excited. Okay. <laughs> it was just like, everybody's like, okay, girl, like, go off. Right. Okay. No, we're we're like, okay. <laughs> All right. So actually, mine is 12 years ago today, but it is literally today. So I'm uh, kind of excited that it popped up and it says they say college is a safety net it preps you for your dreams and if you fall it catches you tomorrow my safety net will be cut and into the world i'll go while i know when i fall it will scratch and hurt a bit bit more but through this experience i've learned to be resilient i don't know what staying down feels like college didn't teach me that with that being said i'm ready congrats class of 2010 we did it Oh, it's time to graduate. I know that was That's a good amazing. one. I felt like when you graduated, I graduated too. Yeah, I do want to say, um, because I know it sounds really profound. You're like, oh, that girl was smart. I just want you to know <laughs> that, um, you was spelled you, yeah. your was spelled you are, mm, um, and percent. So it was not, it was very much. I'm graduating college, but, but I didn't know I had to study. 2010, like that was acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> so I kind of stumbled. Like, what does what does that say? Okay. Yeah. Don't hate on my friend. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I just love that that status came up today for this conversation because right. that is a big. That's a big part of it for me. I think mm. like college, well, like. Even before college, high school, you have the safety net of being at home. College, you have the safety net of being in college. And, like, you can try all these things. And, you know, if you if it doesn't work out, then um, you do something different or you take a different class or you stay an extra year. Hello? Um, so all of those things. But you have the opportunity. <laughs> but you have the opportunity to, like, make those shifts. And I feel like once you get into the real world, quote, unquote, you feel like you have less safety nets to catch you so it makes it scarier to try new things mm -hmm. um right so i think that's like a part of what i wanted to talk about too is just how do you do that like what is it and i mean i'm sure we'll get to that organically but like at the end of the day i want to know from all of us not like in a circle right now but what is the process to getting comfortable and like going out on a limb and trying these things and all of that. So um, keep it in mind. And I and I want to throw it to Ebony because Ebony, you started a podcast where women are telling their stories anonymously. And I think that first of all, if it's anonymous, that makes it really the easier to tell stories and like do something new. But I'd love to hear more about just like how that got started and uh, more about you as well. Sure. Um, should I share my memory first? You can, girl. Okay. 
Well, I don't really have, because I was trying to look for a status, but um, I just see a lot of pictures of me in college. And um, Rashanti and I have been knowing each other for, I guess, over a decade. And, yes, and she is in a lot of my pictures. And I think that I've always been who I am. I feel like I'm more confident now and I'm more sure of myself, but like, I think when it comes to like doing things afraid and I just see these pictures, like I, I think I started my first company when I was in college. It was called Pretty Girl Shirts and Rashanti used to help me out with it. <laughs> and it's just always, remi- it, looking at these pictures just reminds me to just, like I always been confident in everything that I do regardless if it failed or not. So I don't know. It just makes me like really happy looking at these pictures and like, like I came a long way, but it feels good to know that I've always been who I am. And I love, I just want to say, I don't know if you realize, Ebene, some things that you said back in the day, it was simple, but the confidence (laughs) in your delivery with what you said was like, I just hear Ebene's voice like, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Little things like even how you used to appreciate people being themselves. And I was more conservative in college. I was more reserved. I feel like once I moved to LA, um, I learned more about myself and I I grasp a deeper understanding of people. But looking back, I've always respected how you respected others with their individuality and understood, like, just let them be, the, you know, let them be them and like drew that out of them. And I feel like even me being connected to you, it helped me to set aside some of my fears and go to places that I wouldn't even anticipate on going. Like, I think I went to my first drag show with you, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, but just things, yeah. <laughs> but just things like that, like helping me to get out of my comfort zone. You, Brie, Kayla, like a lot of my other friends, like allowed me to venture out and to step out of, you know, my mindset and like who, yeah. I was in different areas and just helped me to be more comfortable around people and understanding people's individuality. So I respect that about you. And you are absolutely right. You have been confident for many years <laughs> as part of the journey. Like, I love that. And the the areas that I lacked, I feel like you've um, helped me through that. You breathe a lot. Like, I just contribute a lot of my friendships to getting me out of my comfort zone. I'm I'm so thankful that we're here oh, together talking I about know. this. Yes, Rashanti was very um stush in college. Stush. <laughs> I was too Rashanti, so it's okay. But you know what though? I think that was I think that was uh what makes it beautiful about Rashanti because I'm happy that I was able to be a part of your journey and to see you evolve as a woman. And I also feel like you was very receptive. So even if that wasn't your speed or you wasn't comfortable doing things, you were still open to it. And I think that speaks a lot about your character. So thanks. I appreciate you. It really does. Yeah. That was a little wild, but that was fun. <laughs> you were so fun. <laughs> but um, so I started the professional home girl six years ago. Uh, as my grandmother transitioned. And you know, during that time, a lot of people like mental health wasn't as as um, attractive as it is today. So, you know, everybody's about mental health and healing. But, you know, back in the day, and especially growing up being from the South and just going back and forth from, from New York, a lot of people didn't talk about therapy and stuff. Yeah. So when my grandmother passed away, I went through like a really crazy depression. And 
you know, I just started going to therapy and just trying to figure out like different ways of like learning, learning new tools on how to um, start my healing journey. And so in the midst of that, like Rashanti said, like, I just love to be around people that's like real, that's like just being themselves and like, especially women, like I've always been a girl's girl. And ever since I can remember, people always just felt comfortable just telling me the tea, like telling me their business, telling me secrets and stuff. And I used to just be so intrigued, like, girl, like, what happened? Like, who did what? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I want to start a platform where women can feel comfortable, especially women of color, will feel comfortable with just being themselves. So at first, the professional homegirl was a blog. But I was like, ain't nobody got time to be writing. A lot of people don't know how to read. <laughs> I was like, we got to figure out different ways. And then I live in New York City, so things are just a little bit more fast-paced than other places. So I'm like, I need to figure out a way how people can retain the information but still make it like like my personality, like, you know, being able to, like, put the medicine in the candy type mm-hmm. of things. And so I started the podcast and it just, like, took off. And, like, I have met so many women, like, even like some of the stories I hear, I just be like, wow, like who am I to complain? <laughs> you know? And I think the reason why I wanted to make these stories or make the people anonymous, because I feel like when you don't know who the person is that's telling the story, it makes you want to know even more. Like you so, mm-hmm. you're so involved and so invested to the point where you, you want to know more about this person because it's like, damn, now I see why she's a prostitute because she's taking care of her siblings. Because her mom and dad is on drugs. So it's just like, yeah. I wanted to like shed light on these topics that I know within our community where, you know, there's a lot of shame and guilt. But I think that yeah. these conversations are, um, they open up dialogue and making people feel a little bit more comfortable with talking about things. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank Do you. you I, so everyone on this session, on this on this episode has relocated um, and started over in different ways. Do you feel like there's a level of, come on, because I'm going to trip over the word, an- anonymity? <laughs> I can remember that word too. <laughs> I was like, come on, Jesus. We can't get it out. I'm not going to say it again. Help, but help me level of, <laughs> you, you, Y'all heard me. An- an- anonymity. Uh, anonymousness. That mm. goes along with... Um, starting over and do you feel like that makes it easier or harder um are you talking about with me personally i'm talking to everyone well yeah everyone personally who's on who's on right now okay i think i see what you mean like when you start over in like a new state you're a new person and that's a form of being anonymous people don't know your past exactly oh i get what you're saying yeah i i go ahead go ahead christina yeah, I think for me, I absolutely. Um, when I when I relocated from um, LA to Atlanta, it was a fresh perspective, and I was leaving something that was toxic and something that just wasn't healthy for me. And I started over, and a lot of people still don't know my past and like everything that I endured when I was living in California, and I came to Atlanta, and I like that. I like being um, having a sense of being anonymous because I don't want to say that <laughs> but being new and it being curious to people it's almost like when you when you go to a new school and you're the new you're the new kid in school nobody knows like you know where you come from your your past it it is refreshing and it is a good start and it is a new beginning and I feel like that's something that I needed in that season and it's something that I still respect that I have like if I want to be open and allow people to know 
my journey and my past and my hurts and everything that I've, I've been through, then I feel, I feel blessed to be able to share my testimony. But if I don't, then I feel like that's also a blessing to be able to have that part of me that is still sacred. And if I want to, you know, keep that form of being anonymous and new and fresh and like, who is this girl? What is she? But you know what I mean? Like, I, I do like that form. Ooh, you just kind of changed my response a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, no, I hated it because I did hate it, but I hated it for superficial things. Like hmm. when I got to Houston, like I didn't know anyone. So I had to RSVP on Eventbrite and show up before 11 to get into the club before 10. <laughs> I, I, didn't like, I did not like that. But the same things that I didn't like is why I love Houston now, because mm-hmm. like, I am not like, I'm not who I am and I don't have the connections I have because I'm affiliated with anyone else. I was able to build my reputation and my network from the ground up here and like still get done. Like I One thing I love about Houston is I don't feel like there's anything that I want to get done in the city that I cannot get done. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about Chicago, but not off of my own merit, not because I can't create that in Chicago, but it's just like, I'm already affiliated. And once you are affiliated, it's hard to like, mm. not become affiliated. Like for like right. I hear all the time with like people like denouncing their letters, like for sororities and fraternities, I'm just like, okay, like you can't really do that. You're still gonna be always affiliated. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's like the thing that I hated is the thing that I love. And mm. now I can show up to the club at 1 a.m. if I want to. And that's what I don't have. A lot? What line? <laughs> we don't do those. So we crazy. bounce around the metal detectors. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think for me, I would agree, even just a relocating. So I, when I left LA, I came back to Chicago, but. I think a lot of people didn't realize that, and I probably didn't realize either that it was going to be, but coming back to Chicago was harder than leaving. And I think because of just the experience and the age that goes along with it, like for all intents and purposes, I tell people I grew up in LA because I literally grew up there. Like mm. I went to college um, and from 22 to 28, um, figured it out. Like those are like foundational years of learning how to live on your own and learning to do it in a different city and building and creating and networking and things like that. And to Christina's point, I had people in Chicago from, you know, growing up in Chicago and going to school, going to college nearby Chicago that were here. So I had a network, but it existed based on affiliation, like, like Christina just mentioned. So to be able to come back and First of all, re- refresh that network and re- uh, revive it and then build onto it and then continue to grow and like move things forward. Like that was a different, a different ball game. And then also as an older adult, figure out, refigure out routines and processes and getting comfortable again, it, it really, uh, took me by surprise, I would say, how uncomfortable I was at first to be back. And Rashanti knows, Rashanti helped me move, move back. And uh, Rashanti helps me move all the time, actually. So <laughs> she's you're like my transition coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like we drove from LA to Chicago, 
um, 30 hour drive. It was lit, but, and not, but, and she helped me set up and get the house set up. But when it was time for Ashanti to leave, I was like, wait, wait, I'm just going to be in this, in this apartment by myself. Like, wait, yeah. don't leave. And even before she, yeah, before she left, I like, she came in the front room. I was like laying on the floor crying. And she was like, what's yeah. wrong? And I'm like, I don't know what's going Like, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a lot of change at once. And and it was something that I felt like people wouldn't understand because for everyone from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, you're moving back home. And for me, it's like, this is not home. <laughs> like, this is foreign mm-hmm. to me. Right. So um, I had like a balance of kind of the both of what you all said. Like, I was very scared and uncomfortable, but it did allow me to create um some new things. I think the other challenge was coming back to where there were people who knew me getting, I didn't have the same level of anonymousness um, <laughs> <laughs> because they thought they, they, because they knew a version of me. So right. I also had to break through these like boxes of, mm-hmm. oh, that was what Brie used to be like. And it's like, well, that's not how Brie is right now. Cause I'm very much uh, introverted at this point as well. And I used to be a club on promoter. So Yo, <laughs> it's like, you coming so outside? <laughs> I am not. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Ooh. it was just a lot of change, a lot of change. I, so did you feel like you, well, two things, first of all, people here who like my friends like oh I'm going to Chicago what should I do I'm like I don't know I've never been an adult in Chicago Mm -hmm. exactly I I don't know and like when I was in Chicago I was in college like that's the last time I'm sure Mm. most places don't exist anymore if they do they're not like popping we're talking 10 years ago I I can't right (laughs) Right, exactly but um Brie do you feel like or did you have the fear that leaving LA and coming back to Chicago, some people will look at you like, oh, you failed out in LA? Yeah, actually, yes. Um, I did have that in the back of my mind. I think when I was in LA, people would reach out and they would say, oh, I'm so proud of you. And this is this looks so cool. And you're doing your thing. And I think Rashanti can identify because we'd be, we would be on the scene and we'd be doing a lot of amazing things. We were also making um, $30,000 or less a year living yeah. with roommates, um, hustle and bustle. Like it was, it was glamorous on social media mm-hmm. and it was fun. Like as a 22 year old, it's like, whatever, let's get it. But <laughs> that's why I left. Like, I mean, well, I wasn't making $30,000. <laughs> like, let's be clear. But I didn't feel like I could save money the way that I wanted to save money. I didn't feel like I was investing. I felt like I was working to live, but I wasn't able to like thrive financially in the way that I wanted to. And then I just wanted to be closer to home and family and things like that. So coming full circle, I'm recording in a new house. Hello, praise the Lord. So like, so I feel like, to in that moment when you're driving back it's like did I fail but then you have the you have moments like this and it's like no this is why I came back so I could save money so I could invest so I could do these things and um you kind of just realize what's important and I don't think anyone to my face was like oh she failed oh she back are you back like people understood it was expensive I wanted to be closer to home I wanted to do more things um so yeah, I think um, 
one of the other things I would say, which I'm curious to know this about you all, is when in LA, LA is, um, I wouldn't say it's more diverse than Chicago. What I would, actually, I wouldn't at all. I would say um, my experience there was, it was pretty mixed. Um, I think just because of the spaces that I was in, like when I, when I was working in fashion, it was a very mixed arena. Um, and then we would throw events and we'd have like our young black professionals and young black creatives. So we got, we got the mix. I don't, I can't speak to the actual diversity of the city, but we got the mix. When I came back to Chicago, I wasn't seeing the mix. And I was like, I wanted it. Like I wanted it so badly. And I think that's also a part of why I like I had to pull back to figure out what does this look like? Because all of my friends, like all of my close friends and network were black professionals. And so I, and that's something actually to this day, to this moment, I'm still like, I want to diversify my network and I want to expand beyond black professionals, even though there is this comfort there. And there is this like, um, there's this like unspoken bond. And I'm and I'm not saying that I wouldn't like add additional black professionals like I have enough. I absolutely don't. But that's something I'm looking to explore more of is like how do I get into these other places and spaces and just like diversify that way. And that's something that I haven't figured out. So like when you say when people ask you what to do because you haven't lived here as an adult, that's how I feel about just even networking. I'm like, okay, well, I haven't been here as an adult. Well, now I have. It's been it's been um, about five years, but I actually just got into corporate America, what, like two years ago. So um, it's still something brand new to explore, which is exciting. I want to say, um, I think it's so funny because Rashanti also helped me move from Nashville to New York. We drove. Road trip. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So I think one of the challenges that I was having when I first moved to New York was like, I was just having, it was difficult for me to make friends. And like, I can make friends, but you know, down South people are different from up North people. And I'm just so used to like how women are and like how my friends were in the South. And I went through a lot of uh, tribulations when it came to friendships in New York. And I always knew that after college, I was going to move back to New York. I, I knew that New York was was, was going to be the location where I need to get my things. Like, things were going to pop off for me. And I was going to grow and eventually have a successful business. But I also felt like I needed to go through certain things and certain people to become who I am now. Hey, that makes sense. Like, weeding out pretty much who's for you and also, like, stepping out of your comfort zone and identifying um, what relationships mean and the value of it. And um, yeah. I, Ebony, like your your keyword in college, like loyal, baby, loyal, 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 loyal. When I yeah. hear loyal, I think of you because that was your true word. I'm like, surprised you didn't get it. Do you have a loyal tattoo? <laughs> Did you get that tattoo? No, I don't. But I loyalty means so much to me. And, yeah. you know, just being in a, a big city like this, and you mean so many different people. And, you know, I think that it was important for me to come and for me to go through those tribulations because I'm glad that I kind of lost sight of who I was at a younger age opposed to the age that I'm at now. Because now I know who I am, you know? Mm, that's powerful. That really. I is. can 100% relate to that because when I first moved to Houston, I lived in a city, Jersey Village, which is like the suburbs of Houston. 
And I lived in Jersey Village. I worked in Jersey Village. I was 21. And I worked at a bank. And I was having the hardest time making friends. Like literally my first friend in Houston, I just asked her, will you be my friend? Like kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I was like asking people that all the time, like, do you need friends? You want to hang out? Like anytime I came across someone who was cool, it was really weird. And that's probably why I didn't make friends. <laughs> so I don't think that's weird at all. But like, it, I, I just kept doing it until I made a friend and her name is Sasha. And like, ironically, she worked at a bank and I was like going to pay a loan. And I'm like, oh, wow, she's really cool. Will you be my friend? And then like around that time, my like I had my best friend move to Houston and my cousin had moved here for grad school. So we kind of like had a click and then we start going out to social things. And I realized I don't hate Houston. I hate Jersey Village because Jersey Village, mm. everyone's like married with kids or like Houston's a little bit different. So people start college a little bit later sometimes. So I met a lot of like people who were like 25, but like starting college. So like I was okay. never in the same place of, of life as these people. And mm. my job didn't really allow me to get out to meet people because of my schedule. But mm. when my friends start moving here and, I, and one of my best friends, Nina, already lived here, we all came together with Sasha. And then they were able to go to events that I couldn't make because of my work schedule. And that's kind of how we made our friend group and gave me the confidence to go out and network in Houston. Mm -hmm. But when I first moved here, I was miserable. Like I had no Aww. friends. I was around my mom and my, uh, I had family, but it's like, I like, like Brie and like you, I was like really, really social, like really social. Mm -hmm. And so like to come here is just like, wow, I hate it here. Um, so I was always <laughs> in Chicago. I was always in DC and never in Houston because like, I didn't have anything here. Yeah, you were um, so trying like, to find that sense of comfort. And so yeah. you were traveling to get that. Mm. And it's so funny because like 10 years later, like anyone from like, you know, people in the mayor's office to, you know, like club promoters, I know so many people. I'm so well connected. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I just, I, it's hard to believe that when I first moved here, it was just really difficult for me to make friends. Wow. But look at you now, the transition. That is awesome. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm thinking as we're talking, one of the other things that we all have in common is that we've started businesses. Um, multiples, actually. <laughs> so I want to like take a moment because um, you didn't you didn't know this was coming, but take a moment and think about one of the businesses or all of the businesses and think about the first time you failed. Like the first time you failed. And so now the question I have is, why did you keep going? Can I go first? Yeah. Yes. So I would think this is Christina. <laughs> so I started a nonprofit when I was like 23 um, and, or 22, 22. Um, and, and it's called Women Exceeding. And I will say we, I failed a couple of times with the nonprofit. <laughs> um, it, it, it's still going, but like we had to have many facelifts. But I think the first time I failed, 
there was a couple of things. I was really young. I had no clue what I was doing. I, I made so many mistakes, but I appreciate those mistakes because it helps me to help other people now. Um, and I, this is the big one. I did not know how to lead and delegate. And I still struggle with that. I think now I don't know how to micromanage and that's not something I want to learn how to do because I just like, that's not healthy. It's, not, it's just not a healthy like relationship. But like then I didn't know how like to delegate. So I would be working, I worked nine to five, I'm still at the bank, but now I'm like downtown Houston. So I'm like in the, in the know. And the so mix. I'm right, literally <laughs> working nine to five. So I would like, go to, I took like a park and ride to work. So I would like park, get on the bus, be on the bus and have a hotspot. And like, this is before your phone was like a hotspot. Like I had like a little separate device hotspot and work on women exceeding, get to work, do my thing at work. And I was also like on the board of auxiliary groups and business resource groups and stuff. And then after work, I would stay in the office and work on women exceeding, take the park and ride home, work on the bus on the way to my car, drive home, work on women exceeding until probably three, four o'clock in the morning, wake up at six and do it all over again. So I'm getting like two or three hours of sleep Mm. and literally made myself sick Mm -hmm. Um, and didn't really have a structure. I knew what I wanted to do, but I like I had a vision, but I didn't really have like a blueprint or like a plan. Um, and I had really strong people who could help me. Like my co-founders, are, they're phenomenal, but I did not lean on them because I did not know how to. So when my life started lifing, because life will life, will life and my dad got sick and I lost my job, women exceeding failed the first time, the first failure. <laughs> um, and it's because like I didn't I didn't utilize my team, so I couldn't activate them when I needed them. Um, and we can talk about the failures of women exceeding later. We can, we'll just go through each season of failure. Well, no. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. So the second part of the question is, well, why did you keep going? Why did I keep going? Because I am so passionate about like helping people and helping women in particular. I get excited when I see women-owned businesses and Black-owned businesses and women really doing their thing. And I just like, I know that the way that that inspires me and inspires other people. And that's what Women Exceeding was about. Showing women who might be in like a down season or a season of failure or like a season of doubt that you can do it. And so like, that's what kept me going. Every single time that I'm like, okay, we got to shut this down. I get re-inspired. So it's that passion. And like the passion is strong enough to like push me to try again. Mm. I think for me, I started laughing because I felt so many times. I mean, <laughs> and I don't think it was, I mean, some things I don't think I failed at. I just think that it just didn't work out. Like I just didn't see no results from it. So when I was in college, I had a, comp- a t-shirt company and like I said, it was just like me and Rashanti just trying to figure things out. And we took on this really big project for this sorority. And oh my God, like, <laughs> what a shit show. But, <laughs> baby, 
but the trauma. It, you know, <laughs> yes, it was so nice. Like Rishanti, oh my God, God bless her, man, because we were so stressed out. But it, the shirts was Ooh. beautiful. Oh, beautiful. But um, I had a t-shirt company. I had a stationery company. I had a uh, a rental company, a dress rental company, and that taught me a lot. And I think that you know. I think that all of these things, I had a networking company, <laughs> but I think that I, one thing about me, I'm very passionate and I just really believe in myself. And I always knew from a very young age that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to be nothing else but a boss. Like I just, I, I always loved the art of business. And I think that that's the main reason why I didn't give up because I just knew that something was going to stick to the wall. And I kept throwing. And one thing about me, I'm always taking my shot, <laughs> whether it land or miss. But, and I also think that all of those things taught me so much that I'm going, that I have used into my platform now. So I think that, um yeah, I'm thankful for my failures. Like I think all my failures really brought me up to the point where I can say that I'm comfortable, like, as far as my business. And I feel like my business now is growing and have its legs. And I also feel like my business, the professional homegirl, is a reflection of me. And I think that's another reason why it's doing so well, because it comes from a very deep, like, emotional place. And I think that when people hear stories that they can, that resonates with them, it's like, once you evoke that emotion out of people, you got it. Amen. Amen to that. And yes, Emanate, those t-shirts did come out beautiful. But I think a part of that journey for me as well was it was a learning process. Like it was how can we better utilize resources? What materials should we have? You, you know what I mean? Like I feel like everything that we endured during that season while we were producing those shirts, it was a learning experience. And I definitely gained a fresh per uh, perspective from that. Like, okay, when you're doing these bulk orders, what's the best way to do it? You know, like it was it was definitely part of the journey and learning. And that's another thing that I'm appreciative of. Because in that moment, it was like, oh, this is traumatic. We were up for hours. So and it, Remind was, it, was like, <laughs> it was like 47 shirts. <laughs> Two oh people for an event. It was, oh, it was like, bless your heart. But I'm like, baby girl, I don't know how to use this phone. Like we were both trying. It was like, by any means, we were going to get it done. And I applaud you for that. And I'm grateful to have experienced that because that made me stronger as well with moving forward and how to navigate when it comes to large orders and just fulfilling things and customer service. And it just, it was a large part of um, entrepreneurship, like you mentioned in learning and failure is a part of the journey. And it's just like, um, for me, I would say the first time I experienced like a major form of Failure was when I was in LA and I did some um, some bridesmaids dresses, and the theme of the the of the wedding was going to be like juke joint a uh, wedding, and it was cute. Like we went through all this whole process this. of like, girl, of trying to find the right fabrics, and it was just a lot because the bridesmaids were located all over. Some were in Atlanta, some were in LA, some were like they were all over. There were different shapes and sizes, and it was a large part. Once again, I'm like fulfilling an order for a large amount of people. Um, and then the vision was cute initially, but when it came together, it just wasn't what she anticipated. So I don't, they didn't even end up using the dresses and I, I'd like slaved over those. And that was one of the last traumatic sewing experiences I had that kind of 
reared me to go in a different direction. And from that moment, I'm just like, I, I think I'm done with sewing. And that, <laughs> that was almost five, seven, I don't know if I, even five to seven years ago. And I haven't had the same passion for sewing that I did in that moment, but it was just a part of the journey and the season and God shifting me and helping me to identify what direction I need to go in. Like, okay, well, maybe sewing isn't where I want to be any longer, but I'm grateful that I have the skill set and the knowledge of that because it allows me to know the sewing process and to be more empathetic for my tailors and my seamstress for when I do launch something that's larger and I understand. So every part of the journey, um, is just making me stronger. Like in that moment, it was traumatic. And I'm just like, I used to love to sew. I used to wake up when Bree and I worked for the fashion company. I used to wake up early in the morning, challenge myself to sew something for me that day. And then like we would do our little photo shoot throughout the day. We'll take lunch and do a photo shoot of things like I made, but it helped me. Like I loved, I used to love that. I was a fashion designer. I had a line. I, you know, presented my line of swimwear before like a celebrity fashion show. So I had those seasons where it's like, I thought I wanted to do fashion design. I was passionate for it. But then when I had that traumatic experience of failure with an event, like a wedding that didn't come through, like it was, it was, it was hurtful for me that the dresses weren't used because I put, I poured so much into it. And of course, like I hated the fact that the bride's vision didn't come to life. And I still, it, it took me a while to heal from that. Um, they did end up using the flower girl dresses and the, the flower girls looked adorable. And the mother of the groom wore a dress that I made too. And she loved it. And she just felt so beautiful. And she was emotional because she absolutely loved the dress. It came out how she wanted. So it was still elements of that wedding that was successful. But um, to the second part of the question, the reason why I continued on, because I knew God had something for me, a part of that failure, that, that the failure was part of the learning experience to make me stronger and to make me better for the next season that I'm supposed to, to, to walk in. So that's that that's me <laughs> I you when I was when you first started talking I was like oh shoot I gotta go next what you gonna say I didn't have anything but you you remind me of this experience I had when I was doing photography mm. and, um, <laughs> which is part of why I don't do it either mm. um, I was so I started off shooting um I was just doing people um like fashion and Christina got her hair <laughs> yeah Christina was, Christina was one of the original I was her oh muse. I didn't realize that was you was that you with the braid wait not the braid the long braid no which, which, oh, which we did like a, a, a shoot with a whole bunch of pearls and like lace dresses yeah okay yeah I want to see this but yeah, so I so I, I started off doing like models and then I got into some um some like architecture stuff for myself. But um eventually that evolved to me doing headshots and then I was doing headshots for comedians and then I had this deal with um one of the comedy clubs and one one of the biggest comedy clubs in LA and I was doing headshots for up and coming comedians and that led to me um being asked to go on a short tour. Um it was like two stops. That and they wanted me to shoot the show, so I was in Dallas, I was in Houston. Um, excuse and, me, you know, this is not recently, you weren't there, um, <laughs> you weren't there. Okay. Um, but they, you know, they paid for everything, and it was really exciting to be a part of it. And I wanted to try it, 
I think when I was asked to do it, I was like, eh, I don't really know. Like, I'm not really an event photographer. It's not my thing. It's not what I, what I want to do right now. And specifically low light events. Like if it was an outdoor wedding, I would have been like, let's do it. But it's in a theater. I wasn't sure if I could use flash. I just wasn't clear on how to. And so I already went in nervous. And so I did it, um, captured some really great things and some really great images. And um, as a, an editorial photographer, you know, I had a policy that I did not deliver raws, raw images. Um, I only delivered the edited images. You had a certain amount of edits, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's standard. Most photographers don't deliver raws. And so when I got back from tour, I delivered the edits and I guess they wanted more, more edits. or they were looking for something. I delivered a lot of edits, um, but it led to like this back and forth, like this really tense back and forth. Cause I think they like kind of were withholding money too. And I was like, no, you need to pay me like the rest of the money. And they were like, we need the raw images. And it's like, I don't deliver raw images. And so just that, that whole, like I was literally in the basement of our job, like arguing with these people. <laughs> I was in the studio like, no, I need my buddy. I'm not delivering raw. And so, but I was, I was, in that position based on a referral of a friend who was still a friend, but it was a strong referral. And so like, I'm trying to walk this line of like not burning a bridge, but also maintaining the, my business. Um, and, and it was just like, why am I doing this? Cause I didn't want to do this in the first place. Like I knew this wasn't me, but I, I felt like I failed. And I think eventually like I, I don't know if I, de- I honestly don't know if I delivered the rise or not. Like in this moment, I feel like I probably did, um, but I can't confirm or deny but at the end of it, I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, it doesn't feel good. I didn't feel like I succeeded. Like, I, I did feel like I failed in that moment of getting getting done with what they were expecting. Because, I mean, they pretty much told me that I did. Like, it wasn't what they were looking for. And it just changed my whole, like, vibe around photography and what that looked like. And I think I was already starting to go through some of that because as an artist, you want to just create art and you don't want people to dictate what that looks like and all of the things. But in order to be a paid artist as, in terms of photography, mm-hmm. they do have to be paid. So it was like this, yeah. it was this battle that I did not enjoy. And that was already starting to creep up. And then I, I had this experience and I was like, you know, I'm just not y'all can have it. (laughs) Like I won't, I just won't. So I stopped. I don't think I stopped shooting completely after that, but it did slow down. And eventually I did stop shooting because I just realized that I didn't want people dictating my art. And that was that, like, I'd rather just shoot for myself and, and then, you know, put stuff out. And that was something that people didn't necessarily understand. I think people still don't understand because there are people in 2022, asking me for a photo shoot, baby. I don't, I don't. And I, but I, <laughs> and I think it's confusing because I will. Like there are certain, there are certain yeah. situations, there are certain people. I'll come out of retirement very quickly because it's a creative project. It's something that is inspiring to me. Like I'm passionate about it. It's not about money at this point. It's about do I want to do it? And I think that experience. So like why I kept going, I didn't necessarily keep going with photography in that same way but I kept going with business in a new way which was in maintaining mm-hmm. the integrity of my business and maintaining the integrity of whatever it was that I stood for so now I don't go into situations and I probably you know add a few more mishaps like that to get me to this point 
But I don't go into anything I'm not passionate about, period. I don't go into anything that doesn't resonate with my brand. I don't go into anything that I don't agree with. I don't go into anything that I have questions about that can't be answered. Because, I mean, when you start something new, there may be questions. But if you can't answer them and I can't feel good about it, then we can't work together. I'm not doing it. And that's what I learned from that. And it has to be the ability to walk away from money, the ability to walk away from exposure, because <laughs> I oh. love that word. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the ability, <laughs> the ability to walk away from all those things if it doesn't align. And I learned that. So, yeah, yeah Bri, I want to say something because you made a really good point. And I think this is like the biggest lesson throughout my journey is trusting myself more. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. one business idea that was like uh, um that was a part of the phd podcast that i don't really talk about because i'm saving it for my new york times bestseller book was um oh, speaking into existence i love okay. that yes. um was a retreat and the whole time i just was not feeling it but like i said i took a lot of shots like i'm so passionate i believe in everything that i do but one thing i learned about myself today is i gotta trust myself more because sometimes i didn't want to prove myself wrong Mm. And I ain't gonna put myself right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the fine. worst feeling. Yeah, that's the worst feeling for me is disappointing myself because it's like, girl, I told you it wasn't gonna work. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> right. better. Right. Yeah. So, my question yeah. is, how do you decipher? And anybody can answer this, but Ebony, I'm just piggybacking off what you just said. How do you decipher between being out of alignment and being scared? Um, I think for me, it's a feeling like I know what PHG is and I know what she's going to become. So, and I know who PHG is for. So it's definitely for women of color, but it's definitely for black women. So if something just don't, if something seems off and I have an operational mindset, cause I've been in operations for a very long time when it comes to my career. So if something just don't feel right and it seems off and that person or that brand or that organization can't provide me clarity, it's a no for me because I feel like, you know, when people have right now, entrepreneurship is very sexy. Everybody want to be an entrepreneur. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) And I think entrepreneurship, it gets glamorized. Like it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's people think that being a boss is like easy. And in all honesty, I wish I was a person who wanted to climb the corporate ladder because at least I know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going with this shit when it comes to PhD. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You get what so I'm many saying? unknown factors, yeah. Okay. So many unknown factors, yeah. Right. So you know, when it comes to and a lot of things, when it comes to business, is it, it's based off of feeling. Like you just gotta trust your gut. So the moment I feel like, and also the point I wanted to make was, I think that when people make these decisions, they make decisions for now, not taking into um, consideration of how it can affect their business five years from now, Thanks. ten years yeah. from now. So if something don't seem right, and I'm kind of like, hmm. Nah, I'm not going with it. Amen right. to that. And I, I, I go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead, Christina. I think that like I, I definitely agree with that. Um, man, Bree said something and I forgot what my reply was to that. But I, I definitely go with my feeling like trusting. So short story, my car got broken into at church um when I the summer after college. And I was sitting in church and I kept thinking to myself, go check on your car, go check on your car. I'm like, oh no, it's fine. But it's something in me kept pushing me to want to go outside and look at my car. 
And then when I finally went outside, when church was over, my car was broken into, laptop stolen, whole nine. Mm. And in that moment, I knew when I have a feeling to follow it, because like I always, and I'm, I'm religious, but I always say like people like, oh, well, God would tell you or like, and people are like, well, what does that mean? Your intuition is a gift from God. Amen. And it's the way that Amen, he, sister. Like, it pushes you mm-hmm. or it pulls you back. So like if you're in a relationship and you have like, you're uneasy about it, that's God telling you something. If you have that feeling, there is a reason. If like you have this thing keeps pushing at you, bugging you, that's kind of like what Women Exceeding was. It mm. was this thing that was like just, Women Exceeding like launched in 2014 and I started planning it in 2013, but it was an idea from 2010. Mm-hmm. It took me three years to listen. Wow. Yeah. So like when something like is like, it's just a, when you get in tune with yourself and um, Ebony, I think you talked about mental health. Mm-hmm. When you are working on yourself and you get in tune with yourself and you are, you know, working out that prior trauma and breaking those generational mm-hmm. curses, you understand things in a different way because you're yeah, that's able a to decipher what that feeling, what that intuition is telling you, what God is telling you. So like, that's, that's how I know. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Yeah. Yo, not for nothing. I always say, I know everything and everyone, and I know how things going to play out because I know myself. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. Um, so I, Christina, what you said and, um, uh, all of what you all said, Brie, um, Ebene, but something that stood out to me was getting in tune with yourself. Um, Christina, you just mentioned that and understanding yourself. I feel like, um, after the pandemic, I learned so much more about myself because we had time to sit down and really just think like, who am I? What do I really want? And do I really want these things for like, Brie, what you said, exposure, like, exposure right now in the season of my life is played out what I care about mostly and what my key word that I um like speak on a daily is peace and mm. I I want that in my life in all areas and if it doesn't bring me peace and it's not for me so even now like Oof. I'm I'm blessed to to have worked my way up in the the film and entertainment industry where I get opportunities presented to myself all the time and now I don't have to work um, just for money. I don't have to overwork myself just to pay the bills. I'm in a season now that God has allowed me to be able to turn down things if it doesn't um, resonate with me or if I feel like it's not going to benefit me or if I feel like it's going to cause me stress and chaos or take me back to a space that I don't like myself in. I don't like myself overworked. I don't like myself um, not understanding or stress um, or not eating right or taking care <laughs> like, or, or not or not taking care of myself. I don't, I don't right. want to be in that space. And so I just got presented with this opportunity to work on this, the show that people know it's cute, but you know, but I'm like, what, who, who are the characters? What is this? Is it far? Like, who's the caterer? Like, I'm just like, I'm thinking of different things in this season of Come my on, life. Now. I'm not going to turn down stuff. Like, okay, no, I don't want to commute that far. No, I don't want this stress. No, I don't want to work in, in this environment. Even though the show may look good on my resume, it's a no for me now. Like, mm-hmm. I want to work on something that resonates with me, something that I'm going to enjoy lo- looking back the overall perspective. Like, yeah, 
this industry is going to be stressful. Any project that I work on is going more than likely going to cause me stress. But what else am I gaining from it? Am I gaining, mm -hmm. you know, am I doing it for the culture? Do I respect the director? Like who, what, what are my reasons for doing this now? You know what I mean? Like I have to look at all of that and internalize that and then focus, like you said, on my mental health, and my peace, because if I'm not complete, if I'm not whole for myself, I'm not going to be for anybody else. And that's important yeah. or for what God has for me. So. That's I, what, I agree. That's what, um, I wanted to speak to that the Bree said, like being able to say no, like not taking on everything. And so like I, I've taught myself, I have a lot of skills that I like that are self-taught. Photoshop, just random stuff that like as an entrepreneur, WordPress, all of that. Because <laughs> like you have to learn how to do it because people will let you down or you see a typo on the yeah. website, it's like, God, I need to get this fixed. And the web developer is gonna charge me a hundred dollars to fix a word. Like, right. no, I need to figure out how to do it myself. And because of that, like people tap me, people tap me even for things I'm not skilled at. Like they, like they just think that I know how to do things. But what I found myself doing is like taking opportunities because I knew how to do something and the money sounded like, okay, well, you know, I can make some money, why not? And not really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And so like, like I, I don't do it. Like you asked me to write your business plan. Absolutely not. I hate writing business plans. I don't wanna write my own. <laughs> There's yeah. not an amount of money that's going to be attractive that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that business plan. Like, mm -hmm. if you tell me you'll give me $30,000, it'll be like, oh, that sounds great, right? But I'm still going to procrastinate because I do not want to write this business plan. Like, right. it will take me months to get the $30,000 because I don't want to do it. So yeah. learning how to say, like, no, when I can do something, but I don't want to. And, like, my, my I guess mantra for that is like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should yeah okay. so not to do everything for money right so like okay. i i can build my website but i have a web developer because i can do that mm -hmm. but i don't want to if i want right. like if i need like a sponsorship deck i can build one in InDesign, or i can hire someone and save my time like what is my time worth to mm -hmm. me what exactly. is my energy and my peace because if I'm doing something I don't want to do for money, I'm not going to be happy doing it, period. I'm so glad you said what's it worth. So first of all, tell me we're the same person without telling you we're the same person. Because <laughs> <laughs> definitely, uh, just because you can't doesn't mean you should. But on the other side of, so there's two ways that I weigh things. And I think we've talked about the one thing, which is the alignment. What's it worth? What's it worth to me? What is it worth um, to do it? But also, what does it cost? As the other side, and Rashanti kind of talked, actually, both of you all like touched on it, which is, is it going to cost me my peace? Is it going to cost me my time? Is it going to cost me? And, and is the is the value worth the cost? And the other way that I weigh that is just in talking about some of the things that we've done and some of the things we've talked about, for me, most of the stuff is scary as hell. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I've looked at it. I'm like, okay. We gonna do this? All right, let's let's do it. But it's not always a confident. Okay, yes, full steam ahead. I am more afraid of not doing something that God told me to do mm. than facing it afraid, because I know on the other end of whatever I'm being told to do is better, is greater, is more, and I know especially now from experience, a lot of times those things, 
that I've been told to do have been taking me out of things that could have been very painful, very uh, hurtful, very a lot of uncomfortable, a lot more uncomfortable than doing something afraid. And I'll give you an example of that. Moving back to Chicago, going full circle with this story was not a comfortable decision. I was in prayer and meditation and God was like, time to go. And I was like, wait, 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 what do you mean? Time to go where? Chicago, what do you mean? It's 80 degrees outside right now. Like, I'm not leaving. And it was January, like 80 degrees in January, let's be clear. And I was like, nah. And then in that pyramid, like my phone starts ringing. I'm getting unknown calls with Chicago's area calls. Like it was very clear what needed to happen next. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, all right, well, give me, lay out the timeline. Like, let's just, because it wasn't at that moment, but it was a few months later. And while all that was happening, um, home was laid out, job laid out. I got a job in April that they held for me until August. <laughs> And retail, oh managing a retail store. That's like unheard of. But they were like, when you get here, it's yours. And um, everything lined up for me to where it made the transition outside of emotion much easier, much more comfortable. On the other end of that, when I did make the, when I did move, the job that I was in went through massive layouts, layoffs, I'm sorry, went through massive layoffs, including my boss. And had I been there, I would have been laid off too. And it was just a matter of months. Like that's that slow motion. Christina, when you said like, I got to do this now, like had I delayed, like you granted you, you said you had like three years to get this done. Like, and you had the grace to do it. Had I delayed three months, I would have been in LA unemployed looking around like, Mm. Hey y'all remember roommates. Mm, low salary. <laughs> my salary wasn't even low at that point. It was, but it was still LA living. Like it's very expensive. So no, it, it, and that's just one of the things it, I've have so many examples of like looking back. Oh, wow. I dodged that. I dodged that because I listened to what God told me to do. And it just moved me out of the way. Like I didn't even have to worry about it because I didn't know it was coming. I didn't have to experience it. I just follow what I was told to do. That mm-hmm. really, in, in in a lot of cases, didn't have anything to do with what was going to happen. It was just like, oh, now you're out of the way. You don't have to worry about it. So yeah. that's, what's it worth? What's it going to cost? <laughs> that, those are the things for me. That reminds me of a saying that my boss said, like, a, a, the way that my boss frames something. He says that God has sunk in ships to get me off of them. Mm. Mm. Come on now. Mm. And like, that's, that, that's real. And Brie, it's like that that three years that like that I had that grace, I was in college. So like <laughs> Right. Yeah, but like I mean I so this happens to me. I don't know like if this happens to you, but like a lot of times the people around me could see me better better than I see myself or see my potential. Yeah. Absolutely. Like people tell me all the time, you do not know like what you're going to become. You don't know, like you don't even see it. You can't even imagine it. Mm-hmm. And like, so what I've been trying to do is like really channel that and believe in myself that way. So I swear to God, like <laughs> the past two months, I've started like three businesses. Okay, two no. months. Okay. Two months. Whoa! Come on. Like twenty twenty. I made a vision board mm-hmm. and I had like 
just had surgery and I started moving like, okay, I'm going to, you know, move out of my apartment, moved in with my girlfriend to save rent, um, save money. And so she had bought a house. We, it was like, a, it was like a sorority house, three girls in the house. Like, um, and so actually she's my line sister. So it was a sorority house. Um, <laughs> then like my vision board was there. Something happened, moved again. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I, I knew that like, I wanted to start like some type of cosmetic line, not mm-hmm. makeup, but like, um, like more so skincare. And I've been making things for hair that like has really been helping my mom's hair. And I'm like, you know what? Just do it. Like Nike, just do it. Now mm-hmm. the LLC, yeah. boom, one. Um, I had an LLC for a whole year, started consulting under that, boom, two. Like I'm starting a production company, boom, three. Like, and not just like having the ideas but actually working towards it. Because these are the things that God has like, been placing in my heart mm-hmm. since college that I'm just like, I don't have the capacity to do that. I don't make em- enough money to do that. Like, I know nothing about production. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And like, things are just coming to me instead of just like ignoring them. I'm putting them on paper and I'm taking action. And it might not like, you know, launch next year or the year after that. But those little steps moving towards what God is like pushing you to are so important and it keeps you on track. And I think that when you do things afraid, the reward is like amazing. Like, like sharing like what I've been going through as far as like looking for an apartment and stuff. Cause like when my grandma passed away, like I went through like a crazy depression and um, my credit score dropped like crazy. Like I just was not like the best of myself at all. And, you know, now, like, I'm flourishing. My skin is beautiful. I look good. Yes, my credit is good. <laughs> and I was yes. just going, looking for an apartment, and I found this one apartment that I thought I really liked, and um, I didn't get it. And I was so freaking devastated. Like, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I just could not believe it. And so I didn't talk to anybody for, like, two days because I was just, like, just heartbroken because I'm like, yeah, I got the credentials and all this other stuff. And I really like pray and I'm just like, God, like show me the way. Cause I feel like after my grandma died, like those last couple of years in my twenties were like very hard for me. Like mm-hmm. it was, a, I went through a lot and I experienced a lot and I feel like I needed this break. Like I feel like, especially not having like a, um, a strong family foundation. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, it, it's, I'm all I got. <laughs> So I was just like, God, like I need to, I need to breathe. Like I need, a, um, I need a new start. Like I need to find a place to stay. And I got approved for this building, and y'all, it's everything that I ever wanted. Like oh, everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, God, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> so I think that, like you said, I think that when you just do things and you just listen to God, and you know, a lot of people don't talk about spirituality and stuff, but you know, I. I'm just so thankful that God has held me throughout this journey, man. And yeah. I never lost my faith, even when I was like, child, what we doing here, God? Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I am tired. Right. I, I can relate to all of that. So, like, that when we talk about, like, the first failing of women exceeding, <laughs> um, my dad got sick. So I, I took care of my grandmother and my father. Mm-hmm. And they literally died within a month of each other. 
my mom mm. and I called 2016 hell year because it was mm. like August through December, five people who I cared about died. Like oh boom, God. boom, 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 boom. Like mm. New Year's Eve going from 2016 and 2017, I'm walking around the party by myself, two bottles of champagne, just like, yes, get me out of here. Cause this is no. metal, not like the stars would not recommend. Like it was awful. Mm. Um, but like getting through that season and knowing that like, so when I, before entering that season, I had applied for this program at Yale and I did not understand why I didn't get it. Like, I'm just like, why am I not getting this? Like I had like, I was, I was the person who would like set my goals, like October the year before from the next year, have a plan to get to each goal. Like I'm about to knock this out, knock it out, knock it out. And like that year, I was not hitting anything. I'm like, what is happening? What is this? And I realized after my dad got his diagnosis and then everything that unfolded after that, because my dad got his diagnosis, then I lost my job. And it was just like, that was 2015. Then my uncle died. So 2016 is hell year, but 2015 was like the prequel, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if I would have gotten to that Yale program, I would have failed. And wow. it's just that simple. Mm -hmm. That's why I didn't get that opportunity. Because if I would have failed at that moment, I would have been so broken knowing that, like, because I was going to lose my job. So, like, that was, I took that very personally. Like, even though, like, corporate America, we can have a whole show on that. I took it very personal and it hit my self-esteem. Like, I, I felt very small and kind of worthless. Mm. And then to like, if I would have gotten to that program and not succeeded, that would have just, you know, compounded that negativity. But you never know like what God is doing. So like now I'm just at Pete, like when God does something like it's like, all right, I missed my flight. I wasn't supposed to be on that plane. That's right. Like, just OK. Do your thing. That. Do your thing, Lord. <laughs> Do your thing, Lord. I love that. Y'all, I just, I'm so happy that we had this conversation. We're able to get together and just like talk about it. And, uh, and, and I'm like, I have that side. It's just like, it doesn't end. Like, these are the things that we've learned, but the experiences keep coming and we still have to continue to implement them and continue to learn and grow and stretch in these, in these unknown situations and just become better versions of ourselves. So I just like want to applaud each of us for our ability to adapt and our ability to be agile and our ability to persevere, even in the face of things that are just traumatic. I mean, for lack of a better word, because that's really what they are um, and continue to push through all of that and, and be the women that we are. So thank y'all for hopping on. Ebony, thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me. This was such a refreshing conversation. So I really do appreciate all three of you. Thank you. Love you so much, Ebony. Where can the people find you? So you can find me on my website at www.thephgpodcast.com. Follow me on Instagram at The Professional Homegirl and at The PhD Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank y'all for listening. Make sure you're following Ebony on social media. Hit up her website. Listen to her podcast. Get those stories from the women and just learn more about what's going on in the world. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, the multitasker podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, all the things you all know what to do. This has been another episode. Thank you.
Thank Peace you. Out. Bye, ladies. <laughs> Bye. Yay. Hey, multitaskers. It's your girl, Ebony, a.k.a. the professional homegirl, and I am here to give you a code to get some coins off from my site, thephgpodcast.com. Use code PHG10 to receive 10% off your first purchase. I hope y'all enjoy my episode. And until next time, everyone, later.